the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. Tonight, last week, we learned on understanding the spiritual realm. And we'll look at something closely related to that this evening. There were many things I could not buttress last week. And so, what I will do today is to try and touch in a few minutes some of the things I could not stretch. Or we will mention 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10. So 16 and then first Corinthians 3 verse 1 to 3. That's our text. But God had revealed them unto us by spirits, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even to the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, he himself is judged of no man. Verse 15 is our emphasis today, so let's read it again. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who had known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Chapter 3 verse 1, But I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, as unto canal, even as unto babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for either though you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet canal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are you not canal? And walk as men. I will be teaching on discerning the spirit realm, or discerning the realm of the spirit. Discerning the realm of the Spirit. Let's quickly pray. Once again, Holy Spirit, we trust you that the entrance of these words will bring understanding to our hearts in the name of Jesus. We receive illumination by your hand and we declare that there is clarity by this teaching. In Jesus' name we pray. Alright. I want to begin that... Oh, I'd like to begin by saying that in a sense, because of the indwelling spirit, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, that's what I mean by indwelling spirit, the believer can be described as someone who is always in the spirit. Let's look at a scripture to affirm this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. The Christian, the child of God, the one who has received the... Holy Spirit is always in the Spirit. But you are not in the flesh. You see, because it was comparing 
this person so the person who is not saved and so he says that the person who is saved is not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you in other words if the spirit dwells in you you are in the spirit say this after me I am in the spirit because the spirit dwells in me one more time I am in the spirit because the spirit dwells in me what that means is that if you are eating eba, but you have the indwelling spirit, you are in the spirit. When people look at you, they will say it's eating eba. But there is also a description that is permanent to you, which is that you are always in the spirit because the spirit of God dwells in you. It tells us that if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, it's not ease. That simply means the indwelling spirit and Christianity is the same. There's nothing like I'm a Christian but I don't have Holy Ghost. There's nothing like that. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Spirit. Some people may not experience the baptism or the outpouring but the indwelling. Every Christian. It's not possible to be of Christ and not have the Spirit of Christ because it's exactly the Spirit of Christ that makes us children of God. We have emphasized this over and over and over again. Are we clear? So in a sense, once we have the Holy Spirit, we are in the Spirit. Always in the Spirit. Let's look at a few other scriptures to show other dimensions of this reality. Galatians 5 and verse 25. Galatians 5 and verse 25. So he says, if we live in the Spirit, now the word if here is actually because everybody say because it's not saying that some people are not living in the spirit it's talking about the Christian just like what we read in Romans 8 and 9 that because the Christian has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit he is always in the spirit that's where he lives that's the location of the Christian so because we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit now, what it means here is that because we are alive to the Holy Spirit, that is, we have a living, working relationship with the Holy Spirit, we should also allow the Holy Spirit influence us. Are we still together? Follow very closely, please. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Somebody says, well, sometimes I don't live in the Spirit. Mm-mm. Get what the Scripture is saying. He's saying because the Spirit of God is in us, we should yield our lives more and more to the influence of that spirit so that everything we do will be under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Are we clear on that? Okay. So because we have a working relationship with the Holy Spirit, we should also give ourselves to submitting to the government of the Spirit. So that's a dimension of being in the Spirit. The indwelling Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, and then the more we yield our lives to His influence, everything we do can be said to be done in the Spirit. When I eat, I can eat in the Spirit. When I play, I can play in the Spirit. When I watch TV, I can watch TV in the Spirit. Why? First of all, there is a constant presence of the Holy Spirit in me. It doesn't come and go. But the more I yield to that influence and that presence, the more this reality is also established. So, I can be watching TV and I see something that is not godly and I'm angry, I change the station. That's done in the spirit. 
You may just be seeing somebody change station, but it's an action in the spirit because I am bringing my life under the influence of the Holy Ghost and there are certain things that the Holy Ghost is grieved at. So I change it. I say, no, this is not good for the Holy Ghost. It's not good for me. I move on. Do we get that now? Alright. However, there's another dimension of being in the spirit which is what we are trying to emphasize or what we have been probably saying in previous teachings. Yes, the believer is always in the spirit because of the indwelling spirit. But there's another dimension of being in the spirit. Like I showed you last week, it's also referred to particularly in the Old Testament as the hand of the Lord upon a man. In that realm, the physical senses are not really the active senses. And the operational senses are supernatural senses. It was that realm that Elisha entered into and then he heard thus says the Lord and received supernatural information. So what we are saying here is that we cannot just stay with this dimension of in the spirit, the indwelling spirit, and then the more we yield to him, we walk in the spirit. There are other dimensions of that phrase in the spirit which I would like you to note even in today's teaching. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10 and then Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now what John is saying here, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, it's not talking about Romans 8-9. It's not talking about that same reality of if the Holy Spirit is in you, you are always in the Spirit. Because he says he heard something. Now what he heard was not by the natural ear. He heard the voice of a trumpet or a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha, Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest. So he heard, he saw. Now he did not hear naturally. It was not the natural faculty of hearing that he used to hear this one. Are we still together? Because he was in the spirit, there was, there was an exposure of spiritual information in hearing and seeing. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2, I think. Okay, let's start from verse 1. After this I looked and behold, the door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up either and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. If you read the verse 1, it suggests that in a sense he was already in the Spirit. Or he was already in the Spirit. But it says, The first voice which I heard as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up either, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So, the voice was already communicating with him, which was a spiritual voice. Are we still together? And then he says, I was in the spirit, and behold. So, there were sights, there were visions. The one in verse 2 was seemingly a spiritual experience of sight. The one in verse 1 was a spiritual experience of hearing. Are we still together? So beyond the, the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are always in the Spirit, there is also a dimension of being in the Spirit, which is not the one that Romans 8, 9 speaks about. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1. I would like you to see these things from scriptures so that you can um, have an accurate perspective. 
the hand of the Lord was upon me. You see that phrase, the hand of the Lord speaks about the influence of the Holy Spirit. In, rather, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. So, because the hand of the Lord speaks about the influence of the Spirit which often suspends the natural senses or transcends the natural senses, we agree here that Ezekiel was probably in a vision. So, the hand of the Lord came upon him and then he was exposed to certain sights. The valley of dry bones. But you see there that the hand of the Lord and the spirit influence are synonymous. Are we still together? Alright. Judges 14.6 Judges 14.6 Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. Um, it's talking about Samson and a young lion. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother, which he had done. So, we have seen how being in the Spirit can affect what you hear. Follow. Everybody, follow, 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 follow. Listen closely, listen closely. Being in the spirit can affect what you hear. Being in the spirit can affect what you see. Being in the spirit can affect what you do. Samson was under the influence of the spirit. And it was not just about what he saw or what he heard. There were things he was able to do. Because he was in the spirit as it were. Are we together? So being in the spirit doesn't just affect hearing and seeing. It affects abilities. It affects capacities. Samson could not naturally have killed a young lion with his bare hands. That couldn't be possible in the flesh, which speaks about in natural strength. But because he came under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he was able to do something that only supernatural ability could facilitate. Alright, alright, alright. Are we clear on that? Please note that difference of being in the Spirit, according to Romans 8 9. And being in the spirit, according to the hand of the Lord being upon a man, so that he is submerged beyond the realms of the natural. It's a very important distinction as we, go, as we continue in this conversation. Now, some of the issues that we didn't have time to really trash out last week was about assessing the realm of the spirit. We spoke about our words can be a pathway into the realm of the spirit our actions can be a pathway into the realm of the spirit our meditation thoughts or solical activity can be a pathway into the realm of the spirit but let me just use a few scriptures to explain this very quickly and then we can move on to the concept of discerning the spirit in first corinthians 14 and verse 2 apostle paul spoke about those that prophesy and defile the church he that speaketh in unknown tongues edifies himself. However, 
In the spirit he speaketh mysteries. No man understands what he says, but in the spirit he speaketh mystery. What that means is that if you observe naturally somebody speaking in tongues, it makes no sense to you. It does not edify you. Are we still together? Are we still together? But in the spirit, an activity is happening. So there are many things that if you observe it naturally, it doesn't look reasonable. It doesn't look useful. It doesn't look powerful. But in the spirit, a very powerful activity is happening. So if you observe a man who speaks in tongues, he does not speak to men. So a man speaking in tongues is none of your business, really. He's speaking to God. No man understands him. It's not in the logical realm of natural understanding. But in the spirit, there's a deep, intimate communication going on. And these are times that many of the things we trivialize as just words, just jokes, just songs, in the natural may seem as normal things, just regular natural things. But in the spirit, there are realities, there are operations, there are activities going on. And so one of the things you must understand as a spiritual man is to recognize that even though something may look trivial, small, inconsequential, insignificant in the natural realm, in the spirit, there are huge, I mean, significance as it were. There are huge repercussions. Everybody say, in the spirit. Say it louder, in the spirit. So when you pray, for instance, even if you are praying, if you are praying in understanding, however, there is a realm of prayer which is also under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Let's show you this in Ephesians chapter 6. I'd like you to see this thing because many people do not even believe that um, every prayer should be prayed in the Spirit and that does not necessarily refer to tongues. Alright. Um, Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Just so that we can buttress what the concept of being in the Spirit means. Praying always. Everybody say always. With all prayer. Everybody say all prayer. Everybody say all supplication in the Spirit. It does not mean you should always pray in tongues. That's not what it means. It means that every prayer must be done under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Because you can pray in the flesh. How many of you have attended a prayer meeting? And the prayer meeting is a gossip meeting. Let's pray for being prayed. What time? The way she's dressing these days. Hmm, I saw her yesterday. You see, it's a gossip activity. Someone say, we are praying, we are praying for the can't believe speaking tongues after that. But it's in the flesh. Are, are we together? Are we together? So, the word in the spirit refers to the influence of the Holy Ghost. Active, dominant influence of the Holy Ghost over a man's activity. So, we are saying here that words spoken, actions taken, thoughts that go through your mind may look like trivial, normal, natural events, but there is a reality in the realm of the spirit which you must be able to recognize. Some of you just think your thoughts ends with you. You don't know that. There is something more than that. Your thoughts actually are very loud in the realm of the spirit. So God, for instance, hears the meditation of your heart. He hears it. I cannot hear that. I cannot read your mind. But in the realm of the spirit, God hears what you think. He hears what you ponder. Every image that first of your mind is very clear before the eyes of God. Now, you see, the more you are conscious of this truth, 
you will now understand why you cannot hide from God. And why Christianity must be very original. You cannot fake it. Because you can pretend in church. Everybody can behave in church. And act in a particular way. But in the realm of the spirit, everything is clear. Very clear. Are we still together? Okay. In First Samuel chapter 16, we read the story of the demise of um, the man Saul, who was at this time the king of Israel. I'd like you to say a few verses here to portray some of the things I would like to explain subsequently. And verse 14, First Samuel 16 verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubled thee. Now, just to explain this doctrinally, the evil spirit did not come from God. The statement from God meant that because the Holy Spirit or the influence of the Holy Spirit was withdrawn, another spirit now became active. Are we still together? Are we still together? I'm saying here that God does not send demon spirits to people. God does not send evil spirits to people. However, once there is a withdrawal of the right spirit, automatically an evil spirit now begins to work. So everything begins, the operation of evil spirits cannot happen until there is a withdrawal of the right spirit. That's why that activity is traced to God. Do we get that? When I say it's God that sending evil spirit, that's not how to interpret this portion of scripture. What was I saying? Um, I was reading verse um, 15 and then verse 16 says, Let our God now command thy servant, our Lord rather, which is the king, command thy servant which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, he shall play with his hand. And thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servant, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. And they brought David. That was the summary of the, the entire conversation. But how did Saul get to this point where evil spirits now had access to him? Saul got here because of actions of disobedience. Disobedience and rebellion to the authority of God is what opened Saul's life to the influence of evil spirits. That's why we said actions are very, very important pathways into the realm of the spirit. Please note that the realm of the spirit is not just... We're not talking about you entering that realm alone. We're also talking about how that realm enters you. Are we together? When we're talking about entrance into the realm of the spirit, we're not discussing just how you can assess that realm, but also how that realm can assess. Last week we learned that demons whisper to people. They talk to people. And then when they talk to them, they influence them to make decisions, to take actions, to behave in a particular way. So, Saul's rebellion, disobedience, was what brought him to this point where there was now an influence of demon spirits or evil spirits. Saul would never have a need for David if he walked in obedience, if he obeyed God and served God all his life. There's another case of Samson, which I'd like you to also note. I'm talking about how actions can be pathways into the realm of the spirit. 
Samson had a covenant with God, and the covenant was that as long as his hair was not cut, the influence of the spirit was going to have a free course in his life. So Samson kept dreadlocks. I know that many people today keep dreadlocks because they are trying to imitate the consecration of Samson. I'm not talking about the okay guys now. Those ones are just doing out of fashion. But for instance, in some denominations such as Celestial and CNS, many people keep such dreadlocks trying to imitate the consecration of Samson. However, it will not work. Because Samson's consecration was unique. And you must understand that there are consecrations that cannot be replicated. You can't say, I'm going to replicate that person's consecration. No. It's a unique, special consecration. Look for your own consecration and work with it. Are we clear? So we're keeping deadlock and think that the anointing of Samson will come upon you is a waste of time. Your hair will just be dirty and smelly. There will be nothing to be an empty air. But you notice that every time there was an activity of the Holy Ghost mightily upon Samson so that he could do supernatural things, his air was on. The activity, the action, the physical action of cutting Samson's air stopped the flow of supernatural power. The power was spiritual power. It was supernatural power, but it was sustained by a consecration that was executed physically. Do you get it? So stop hearing things like, what you do in the flesh does not matter. You are a spirit. Uh -uh. Your physical actions can affect spiritual realities. Emphatically so. Let's talk about meditations and solical activities for a close in this direction. You see, in scriptures, the word spirit and emotional operations or activity is closely related. Put it in Proverbs 15.13. Let's see that. Proverbs 15.13. So, in studying the concept of spirit, you might notice that solical activity is synonymous with the phrase spirit. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. When it says the spirit is broken, it's not talking about your woman's spirit breaking per se. It's talking about a breakdown in emotions. Are we together? It's not talking about the woman's spirit being broken per se. And in several verses, particularly in the Old Testament, you see how spirit and soul may be used interchangeably, or how spirit and emotional activities are used interchangeably. Two lessons from that. But let's start from the first one. The first is that, you see, because the soul is, of course, a pathway into the realm of the spirit, we have spirit, soul, body. Most times, in influencing a man's life, which essentially is traced to his spirit, Satan begins to work on his soul, wants to begin to affect how he thinks, the kind of mentality, the kind of mindset, the kind of perception that he has. If Satan can control a man's mind, he can control a man's life. Because once the soul is governed and conquered and colonized, his entire life is in the hand of the person who is controlling his soul. For instance, music is powerful because it can control the soul in a way that the body and the spirit is affected. So somebody may not feel like dancing, but he hears certain sounds, his soul is submerged into the ecstasy of that sound, he begins to dance. I don't know how many of you have entered into a neutral place. Maybe, for instance, I was in my baba's shop, and then the man was playing songs that I know that on a good day I'm not supposed to vibe to. 
But because I was there for long, for like one hour, thirty minutes, I didn't want to like, stop my feet like this. Enjoying the music. I was like, eh! Eh! You have forgotten who you are. So, exposure to certain sounds consistently will begin to affect your actions. It begins with a dance, but it doesn't stop with a dance. It will begin to affect your reasoning, your perspective, your thought pattern. And then before you know it, you are colonized because there was an instrument of music used against your soul. Are we together? So, anything that can influence the soul can be a pathway into the realm of the spirit. One of the reasons Satan is actively trying to make people sorrowful, sad, depressed, is because that's a very easy way to conquer their spirit as it were. That's a very easy way to allow evil spirits and demonic spirits to thrive in their lives. If you see, the Bible speaks a lot about the joy of the Holy Ghost and how we should maintain joyful atmospheres is because if you are in realms of bitterness, hatred, sorrow, sadness, it's very easy for evil spirits to perch, to thrive in that kind of realm. Actually, this is one of the ways Saul entered into the, the reality of his demonic oppression. It was, first of all, the guilt that came with sin. You see, that's why Satan does not stop at sin. He will make sure that guilt also happens. Because that one now creates a bigger room for demonic activity. I've seen again, and as he mourned and mourned and mourned and mourned, he did not have the joy of the Spirit. That's why when David was mourning his own mourning, he began to ask for the restoration of the joy of the Spirit. He knew that if I continue like this in this morning, hey, I will be under certain influences that are not pure. So, and then he gave in to things like envy and bitterness and hatred for David and anger against David. That was where his case now became very worse. So that he could eventually even consult a witch. The demonic activity in his heart was so strong. He had no shame. He went to go and consult a witch. And then he was exposed to familiar spirits and all of that. Are we still together? So whatever controls your solical environment can assess your spirit, as it were, or can be a pathway for spirits to thrive. I've seen people who do not have spiritual understanding because they are always sorrowful. And yes, always sorrowful. And Satan will maintain that, maintain that for them. He knows that as long as they are struggling with that kind of a depressive attitude. They can't receive their spiritual faculties of comprehension is suspended. And you to know that most times you you assimilate faster when you are in an atmosphere that is positive. Things will become clear. If you read the scriptures with sorrow of heart or in bitterness, or you are angry with somebody, or you are keeping money with somebody, there will be a blockade of spiritual assimilation. But if you, live, if you read it with, you know, a joyful spirit, a continent that is positive, of course. You see how, so, all of these things show how solical activity can be a pathway into the realm of the spirit. I've watched Kenneth Hagen videos where people deliberately express joy. And by that deliberate action of joy, the power of the Holy Ghost falls. No alert, nobody made them or told a joke to them, but they just start by expressing joy in the spirit. And before you know it, they open up their life by that expression of joy in 
show the power of the Holy Ghost. It's very simple. That's why I always tell people, don't allow sorrow to destroy you. Some people, you see them romancing their sorrow. They love the pity that comes with sadness. This thing is this devilish. What it will do? What it will do to you eventually? What you will lose? It will be too much. You resist it. You resist it. Are we still together? Everywhere, even in a burial ceremony, I don't like this. The smell of sorrow. In our opinion, you are creating pathways for demons here. I'm not saying that there should be no sorrow. I mean, the Bible tells us not tells us to re- rejoice with them that we just have sorrow with those are more with us than more. But when is it becoming so extreme? No, no, I can't stay here. I can't stay here, please. Are we clear now? Alright. So spirits influence the physical realm by words and imagination towards controlling their behavior and their actions. The ultimate aim of a spirit's influence is to control mindsets and behavior. This is very important because if we examine Galatians 5.25 again, let's see a few things from there. You see, eh, what demons want to do when they talk to you, when they paint pictures in your mind, is to influence your mindset and your behavior. Which actually is described in scripture as a walk in the flesh. Demons want to get you to walk in the flesh. In verse, let's see how the Bible describes it in um, Galatians 5 here. In verse 16 it says, I say then, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusted against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, notice these things, hatred, variance, emulations, rot, strife, seditions, heresies. Now notice that he calls them works of the flesh. Is that not so? But some of them are things that happens in the soul. So, just because you hear works of the flesh does not mean physical activity. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a reality that is opposite the principles of the Holy Spirit. That is antagonistic to the principles the behavior, the mannerism that the Holy Spirit approves. So when we say a walk in the Spirit, it's not also talking about spiritual activities that refers to the suspension of natural realms. That's why I told you, you can watch television in the Spirit. You can watch football in the Spirit because in your behavior... Somebody can be watching football and he says, Stupid player, look at this mumu boy. Now, he's in the flesh. He, he, what he's doing is watching football in the flesh. Somebody can watch football and as he's watching, the Holy Spirit is raising up compassion and he, in his heart, he begins to have a, an intercessive or intercession burden for the souls that, are, that he's watching. Wow, these people. Would they get saved? Look at them. Thousands of people are watching a football match. 
He's watching football. That's seemingly a natural activity. But he's doing it under the influence of the Holy Ghost. So that there are spiritual transactions, spiritual communications going on. Even as he's watching that game. Do you get it now? So when he says, walk of the flesh, or walk in the flesh, he's not talking about physical activity. The word flesh there, doesn't necessarily mean physical activity. It means anything that is not in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Now, do you have the NLT version of this scripture? Put verse 20 in the NLT version. And let's see a few things here too. Are we still together? Idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Everybody say hostility. These are works of the flesh. Quarreling. Now somebody say, I'm just quarreling with the person. What is there? <laughs> These things are works of the flesh. They are the, the energies to execute them are demon empowered. Oh yeah. I don't know if you know, but it takes a lot of energy to be a stubborn quarreler. When you see people who are always quarreling with everybody, quarreling with their mother, their father, their best friend, their enemy, their neighbor, they are always quarreling. They are powered by demons. It takes a lot of work oh, to be that hostile. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. That kind of a life is powered by demons. Outburst of anger, selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Works of the flesh. Dissension. Division. I will soon explain this. You see people that are not they don't believe in togetherness and unity. It's not just a this is the way I am. Some of these things works of the flesh. And we have to properly descend them. That's why we are teaching in this direction of descending the realm of the spirits. Now, a major mark or a major feature of a spiritual man is that he descends the realm of the spirit. If we read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's see how the Bible describes it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. The spiritual man judges all things. The word judge is a very interesting word that many Christians have misunderstood. And you hear them quote Matthew 7, 1. The Bible says, Thou shalt not judge, thou shalt not judge, thou shalt not judge. Why are you judging them? Why are you judging them? And many people have not really investigated what judge means here. However, to judge here means to discern. To discern means to investigate, distinguish, Separate good from evil, right from wrong, spiritual from natural, spiritual from solical, devilish from angelic. It's a, it's a phrase that speaks about separating, discerning, distinguishing, analyzing. So put it in another version so that we can be sure that that's what we are talking about. He who is spiritual judges all things. Right. So the NLT used the word evaluate. Everybody say evaluate. That's what he uses for judges in 1 Corinthians 2 15. 
The spiritual man. You see, you, you cannot be called a spiritual man if you cannot evaluate. You cannot discern, judge, recognize, distinguish. Especially when it comes to the realm of the spirit. So that word judge means to examine, to investigate, to scrutinize in a forensic sense. Because the realm of the spirit is a broad realm. When I say broad, I refer to the fact that it contains both positive and negative realities. Last week we learned about demons that are spirits. They were often called unclean spirits or evil spirits in scriptural terminology. We learned about angels who are ministering spirits. We learned about God who is a spirit. We learned about Satan who is also a fallen angel, a spirit. We also learned about man who can also be described as a spirit depending on the kind of theology you subscribe to. So there are many characters, many influences in the realm of these spirits. You must be able to judge, to differentiate, to distinguish, to discern. My wife can give me a wonderful advice, which is good, useful, seemingly profitable, yet the Holy Ghost can say, reject the advice, that's not what I will have you do. Go instead in this direction. I must be able to differentiate from our good intentions, separate our good intentions from the voice of the Spirit speaking through her. Are we still together? Are we still together? So, because there are so many principal players, as it were, in that realm, we must be able to discern the spirit realm. (laughs) Many people have had encounters, experiences, visions, dreams, and become very confused, messed up, disturbed, because they have not employed the principle of discerning the spirit realm. Over and over again, I've taught you in this church that it's not every dream you have you should begin to panic. I had a dream. In the dream, I saw somebody carry this and did this to me. It's not every dream you have that you begin to panic. You must begin to discern. This is the dream, but let me discern it, distinguish it. Is it a spiritual dream or a solical dream? Is it a supernatural dream or a natural dream? Is it a dream that God is showing me or a dream that Satan is lying against me? You must be able to discern. You know one of the biggest problems in the world today is that one man one day saw an angel and the angel told him to write. He claimed he saw an angel, but the time we begin to investigate and discern and judge, we see that he saw a demon. But the demon told him, write, and he wrote a book. That book is responsible for one of the greatest or one of the most striving religions in the world today. He has one of the most destructive. So, it's not a big vision. You see how this book says, I went to heaven, in heaven, I noticed that all the people that did not pay tithe, they put them in one place like this. All the people that borrow matches and did not return, they put it in one place like this and they send them to hell. That vision was actually true, but they did not discern, they did not judge, they swallowed the vision, it was alas, a lie. Are we still together? That somebody entered a realm and saw things does not mean it must be from God. Activities in the spirit realm, many activities, deceptive activities going on there. Dark activities. We must discern, 
we must judge, we must investigate. When I see Christians who don't want to investigate, I know I will get into trouble. Any boy that wears suit and tie, they say, Pastor, you, Pastor, you. Anybody that wears microphone, say, Man of God, you, Man of God, you. Don't argue with him, he's a man of God. He's a pastor. Give me a break. People come and do that kind of manipulative nonsense at transportation parks. And I don't care. You know, there was, he was almost threatening us. You know when somebody is praying, but the prayer is a threat. Yeah. And he rush And he rush Ah. Why are you saying that? So that we can give you chance you arrive at home in one piece, so your leg will not be missing. Your head will not be missing. What is all this? So I saw somebody beside me, stretched and took Keep your money back. When he saw that I spoiled market for him, he went full mode cursing. You know what better for you? I said, you be python. You switch now, now. Because of church now. Some of you still do it. Let us pray. Our precious Lord and Father, we thank you. We are not giving the church now. I am giving the church now. You are not serious. Let me know. Let me be, let me be best one you. If I want to say what's in my mind, you won't like me, but you are not serious. You really believe there is a call to pray over bosses and that call should be the word of financial. Some of you have never given me 15 naira in your life. You, you have never. I teach you every week. You have never given me anything. But the person that comes and tells you with that sentence, you can't even give. Or serious. Or honestly, you are not serious. They manipulate you. Manipulate you. Collect your money. And I will show you that's how evil spirits try. Once they begin to play on your soul, on your emotions, and you can be scared and worried and anxious, they can manipulate you. They can now influence your decisions. Are you listening to me? The spiritual man must judge. It's not everybody that carry Bible is that armpit that is a pastor. Feel like I put the Bible on your head, it's not my business. I will judge you. You may have 10,000 followers on Facebook, I will judge you. I will examine you. I will discern you. I will be sure what you are saying is from the Lord. You may say, Emit it, Emit it. Dance when you finish dancing 360, say what you want to say, I will judge it. First Corinthians 14, it tells us one, two, three people should prophesy, the others should judge the prophecy. It's not like, let's take it. Let's... Somebody called me and told me, ah, in the particular prophecy group, they, they, they prophesy, and it's turn by turn. You prophesy your own, prophesy your own. If it is your turn and you don't prophesy, they will beat you. Yeah. Serious beating. And they don't stop beating you until you start prophesying. I don't need any special revelation to know that's demonic. Demonic activity going on there? I'm about to take you, and me, and me, and me, beat you with different kind of things to get you to prophesy. For what? Anybody who comes to spiritual who does not judge, he doesn't even know what is. He's just the spiritual man judge, and he says he judges all things familiar things, unfamiliar things, strange things. He judges all things. And as I said, one of my wife's. All trans, I won't say she's not. I judge it, I discern it, I distinguish it. So it's a good idea, but it's not how God will have us go. Are you listening to me? Because you will soon see that there are three active realms or three active spirits that you must consistently judge. You have the spirit of God, which 
The Bible did not say anything that claims to be the Spirit of God should not be judged. If it is the Spirit of God talking, we will still judge it. When we confirm the Spirit of God, we will not accept it. Are we together? Are we together? There's nothing like my pastor can never go wrong. Anything he says is final. No. No. You don't do that. Yes, he's the pastor, he's a man of God, but you still judge. That's what the Bible says. You still judge. You still weigh his words and say, this is what he said. Let's look at it in the light of the Holy Ghost, the light of scriptures, before we now accept it. There is also evil spirits, satanic spirits, demonic spirits that may sound like God. Look at it in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. The spirit speaketh expressly, in the last days men will depart from the faith, giving it to certain spirits and doctrines of devils. Now let's hear the doctrines of devils to see whether they are ugly doctrines. Let's hear verse 2 and verse 3. Look at the doctrines that is called doctrines of demons. To let you know that this demonic activity may not sound like demons. They may actually sound like angels. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience shared with a hot iron. Go on to verse 3. Forbidding to marry. That sounds like a very spiritual thing. A holy man of God who should not marry. You want to be having sex? You as an angel that you are? You will not be touching woman? Hey! An entire denomination in the world today is premised on this demonic doctrine. That people who are servants of God should not marry. Cannot marry. Yet it sounds like a very spiritual doctrine. Like, ah, it's a very... It's, it's a spiritual doctrine, but it's a doctrine of evil spirits. Forbidden to marry and to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving. Oh, wow! Foods! Let's not eat some food. Some food will destroy your anointing. It sounds like a very spiritual statement. It is a spiritual statement, but it is demonic spirituality. One of the ways we know occultic people is that they abstain from certain foods. Oh yeah. You can do your research. There's a food they don't eat. It's a taboo in their... <laughs> so, we have to... Just because something sounds spiritual, don't marry. Don't marry. Hey, judge it. Discern it. Is that the voice of God? Or it's a demonic whisper. Is it a doctrine of scripture? A doctrine of demons? And then there is the human spirit. In First Samuel, I think it should be First Samuel um, seventeen or First Samuel sixteen. Samuel was going to anoint a king in Israel. Samuel was a prophet of God. He had years and years of experience. He arrived at Jesse's house and was going to pour the oil of consecration, of coronation, 1 Samuel 16, 6, on the, how, on the head of the first son of Jesse. I think his name was Eliab. And as he was about to pour the oil, he goes, eh? Sammy? What are you doing? Don't do that. I don't see the way man sees. It was not an evil spirit influencing Samuel. It was Samuel's own spirit. Are we together? So, a true prophet can give a wrong prophecy. We have to now discern. This man is still a man of God, but he gave a wrong prophecy. We separate two of them. Do you get it? You cannot talk about spirituality without discernment. Because there are so many influences involved. It's not just God in that realm. Someone could have anointed this Eliab of a guy against the will of God. 
Because you just naturally thought about it. Well, it's the firstborn. It looks like the strongest. Because that's how Saul also looked. Saul was very tall, very well built. It looks like Saul. This must be the guy. I was going to put oil in his head. But the Holy Spirit had to intervene. I said, no, no, no. I don't see the way man sees. I've rejected him. Don't look at the appearance. I've looked at his heart. It's not what I want. There are certain decisions you will make and you will think it's a spiritual decision. It is a spiritual decision, but it's human spirit. It's not Holy Spirit. It's not a demonic spirit. But it is also not the Holy Spirit. It's just your own human will, human spirit at work. You have to, there are many voices you hear. It's the voice of your spirit, not the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying every time your, the voice of your, your, your spirit speaks is, is a bad voice, but then you have to learn to separate. This is my own voice. It's not the voice of the Spirit. All this, I heard something, I heard something. <laughs> I heard something, it's nothing. You might have heard something, but then, still descend. Are we still together? So, the Spirit of God, Satanic spirits, human spirits, are all in this realm of the spirit, and we must examine, we must analyze, we must distinguish. Something is happening outside. Perez is on the main road. Somebody should attend to that. And please let that not happen again. I cannot be doing this at the same time. What was I saying? The word of God is the ultimate spiritual reality. The Bible, the scriptures, is the ultimate spiritual reality. As simple as it looks, as physical as it seems, it is a spiritual reality. We explained last week that in John 6.63, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Every encounter, every experience, visions, dreams, revelations, encounters, trances, must be brought under the scrutiny of the word. We have emphasized over and over again that the word of God is the basis for judging spiritual encounters. There is nothing like, this thing I'm sharing to you, this realm I'm showing you, it's not in the Bible, but somebody taught me, an angel taught me, a spirit taught me. There's nothing like that. If it's not traced in scriptures, discard it. We don't want to hear. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. But even if we are an angel from heaven, <laughs> Paul says even if we, that is the apostles, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. The gospel that was preached to them was a gospel founded and based on the scriptures. It was a biblical gospel. How I know it was biblical was that in Acts 17, when the Bereans had the gospel, they went to go and search the scriptures to confirm it, whether it was true. Are we still together? It was on that search, on the basis of what they found in the scriptures, that they now say, what Paul said is true. 
So, what Paul said was a biblical gospel. The word biblical there meant the scripture, which we refer to the law and the prophets. Because at that time, they didn't have the entire Bible like we have now. They had the law and the prophets. But even what was preached was founded on the gospel. Or rather, on the scriptures. So, every angelic... If an angel comes to you, it is by the word we will judge what that angel said. This means that spiritual judgment or discerning the realm of the spirits is impossible without comprehension of biblical doctrines. All these are not interested in doctrine and just want to serve God, you will be deceived eventually. Just tell me that God will bless me, God will bless me. It's not my business. You will be you will fall into the hands of false prophets like that. All oh, this showing Bible, explaining theology, it's not important, John. Let's just have Jesus. Ah! This is how people ac- accumulate false spirits, demonic spirits in their life. Because they're not interested in biblical doctrine. Are you listening to me? The word is the basis that by, we, by which we judge everything. This is important because spirits, like I taught you last week, are very expressive in words. In First Timothy four one, the Spirit speaketh expressly. First Corinthians fourteen two, where we quoted earlier. However, in the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Spirits always speak, often speak. When they speak, we take their words and compare it to the words of God. Does it match? Does it fit? Does it align? If it does not align, no matter how spectacular the encounter is, no matter how clear the vision was, no matter how remarkable the trance is, we discard it. It's not of God. So this was what made Paul say, if an angel comes to you, or even we, <laughs> that's what I told you, don't say, my pastor cannot be wrong. No. You take his words and measure it with the word of God and say, does it align? Does it align? Pastor, I say, what? Align. You don't have to tell him. But you have to know. Are we together? Second Corinthians 11. And verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of God. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That means if there is an appearance of Satan now, he will not come as an ugly creation. How will he come? He will come as a beautiful angel of light. So you don't judge an encounter by the light in the encounter. I saw bright light. Biko. Seven a light. Light said baby stage, now. Huh? You can't say because it was light. You know the Bible says that God is light. That's why your biblical understanding must be deeper than just reading, reading mere words. When the Bible says God is light, you think he's talking about sun? Are you listening to me? You can have spiritual encounters where everywhere at first looks dark. And yes, it is a divine encounter. 
So when you say, God, 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 God is light, anything that has light is God. <laughs> That's not how to interpret the scriptures. Because of the decept- deception of demons, you must descend the spirit. There are many voices that demons would suggest to you that will sound good, sound profitable, sound godly. It was, ah, sounds like God. Which is of the devil. It's of the devil. In First Kings twenty-two, twenty-two, a king was going to war. He gathered all the prophets and they prophesied. They prophesied good. They prophesied peace. They prophesied victory. You see, I always tell people this. Anytime word for the year is released throughout Nigeria especially, it's always good word. The year of prosperity, blessing, Lord's favor, increase, greatness. Just because of this is a good word, those domains from God. Are you listening to me? Prophets, Adam will say, eh, This man, he was a king, he was told he was going to go and experience victory. But by the time they called another prophet and the man diagnosed the matter, he said, No, this is a lying spirit that is working here. A lying spirit is on all of his lips. Somebody actually slapped the man. I said, eh, Now me get a lying spirit. You slap me. Make could they watch now. We're going to know who will be prophet of God for here. So, just because something is good, every time the man is always prophesying good, always prophesying good, always prophesying good, you now think because that is, is God. <laughs> That's not how it works. So, every spiritual encounter, things like visions, prophecy, trance, can be influenced by Satan. These prophets were influenced by a lying spirit. They were prophets. The Bible called them prophets, but they were influenced by a lying spirit. Are we still together? A vision can be influenced by a lying spirit. A dream can be influenced by a lying spirit. A trance can be influenced by a lying spirit. That's why you must descend. Let's talk about dreams a little bit and visions. How I know that Satan can influence dreams and visions is that in Matthew chapter 4, we read. The temptation of Jesus. Please note that this began with being led by the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Are we still together? Next statement to be tempted by the devil. Listen. Led. Go back to verse 1. Led by who? Tempted by who? Led by who? Tempted by who? So because a man is led by the Spirit does not mean there is no more influence of the devil. So he still has to descend. He still has to descend. His discernment does not stop just because he was led by the Spirit. No, the wilderness. I say, anywhere the Holy Ghost leads me, God is there. God will take care of me. And God will speak to me. And even in that wilderness that he was led by the Spirit, he still has to descend. Next statement, verse 2. Verse 2, please. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Okay? Verse 3. Now, when the tempter came to him, now he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the tempter came to him. Although he was led by the Spirit, 
the tempter which was Satan still came to him. And he said, if you are the son of God, once again, notice the tempter will not just come and look. When he came in Genesis 3, he came and he said, spirits will always talk. They will talk. That's why you must now have the word of God to judge spirits. Listen. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what God used, what Jesus used was, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. Then the devil took him up into the holy city. Now, the devil took him up into the holy city meant it's coming to things. The devil actually transported Jesus into that physical location called the holy city. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple. But I want to believe it was more like a vision. But it was not like Satan took Jesus out of the wilderness physically. Jesus was in the wilderness physically, but he traveled in the realm of the spirit because of satanic manipulation into the place called the holy city. Do we get that now? And where he went was not a demonic city. It was a holy city. Yet it was Satan that took him there. Are we together? It was Satan that took him there. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands he shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Notice again, that it was, it is written, that Jesus used. Verse 8, again, the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of this world. Once again, it could either be he took him physically, as it were, carried him actually, or in a vision, in a trance. And showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came. Everybody say, Angels came. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness, the devil came, angels came. Came. You see, various spiritual activities, spiritual personalities in this one spiritual experience of the wilderness. Angels came and ministered to him. Verse 12, when Jesus heard that John, okay, and then we are told in Luke 4, we are told that he went to the synagogue from here. Okay. What I was trying to establish was that Satan always speaks, spirits always speak. And it is by the knowledge, the mastery of scriptures that you can judge, differentiate, discern the source of the spirit, the intention of the spirit. Notice that when Satan observed that Jesus was using the word to overcome him, he also began to quote the word. Your mastery of scriptures must not be limited to, I can quote it. Anybody that quotes it is a man of God, you know. Ah, it was preaching from the Bible, it doesn't matter. That's why I say, you cannot just have a shallow understanding of scriptures. Somebody can use the scripture to deceive you. Somebody, I was in the Revolution meeting yesterday, and I was talking about how, he was listening to a message by Apostle Simon and Prophet Jesse, and they went to a particular meeting, 
The man collected everything they had. Prophet Jesus' phone. How many of you have used phones while growing up that use rubber band to tight? Okay, some of you cannot relate. But if a phone can be so bad, you use your man to patch it. That was the way the phone was. Yet the man was saying, You must sow into the work of God. Bring all you have. So Prophet Jesus dropped this only palace rubber band phone to give. And it was, the man was quoting scriptures. Games have been given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I don't like when people quote scripture for offering. It's time for offering, give offering. We don't have to quote scripture. No, there's no need for such manipulation. There's no need. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? But when he was going home with Apostle Saman, Apostle Saman noticed that Prophet Jesus' hand was still inside his pocket, the two hands. Maybe you have given everything. You give your last card. You give your only phone. Why is your hand still in his pocket? Alas, we discovered he also dropped his belt. So he had to use his two hands to hold his trouser. So that the trouser will not fall down. High class manipulation. Collect me your belt. They don't take that. <laughs> but they will use scriptures. <laughs> they won't quote Quran. It's the Bible they will quote for you. Are you listening to me? So if your definition of understand Bible is that I know what is written. You must know what is written. You must know how it applies. You must know interpretation of what is written. I cannot many people who demons have quoted scripture to, them, to lead them to sin. A scripture quote a verse. For he gave his only begotten son that you shall not perish. My sister, do it. You shall not perish. It's a verse in scripture. A demon quotes that verse. You don't know how to apply the verse. You now think it's an endorsement on sinful action. We do the same. He has said he loves you with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says, yes. But a demon can quote that scripture to provoke a man to sin. So to know the scripture is not just to be familiar with what is written. But to be familiar with the application and implication in specific instances of what is written. Are we together? You must master the word to descend the realm of the spirit. It's a very complex realm. If you don't know too much about the Bible and you are navigating into the realm of the spirit, you go jump trailer. Jump trailer will pass you. Stay with the Bible. The Bible is your safest, surest education on the spirit realm. Yeah. If you can understand God by the Bible, if you can understand Satan from the Bible, if you can understand demons from the Bible, you are safe. You are sure. You are secure. If you read experiences over scriptures, you will fail. It's a matter of time you enter into errors. Many of the false doctrines going around, somebody heard a voice. Somebody saw a vision. Somebody saw a so-called angel. It no matter whether you see angel or not. If he does not tally with the scripture, you can as well throw it away. Are we still together? That's why in Ramah chapel we have a culture. I always encourage Ramah to say the Bible says. When you hear Christians say, let's leave the Bible aside. That's why you are inviting demons to your life. Let's leave the Bible aside. Abby. Okay. Leave the Bible aside, you invite demons to your life. How can a Christian say, let's leave the Bible aside? Uh-huh. A Christian. By what are we now going to judge? 
It's like a judge saying, let's leave constitution aside. There's a constitution. Every case brought must be examined against the constitution. You can't say, let's leave constitution aside. No. So a judge only upholds the constitution. He does not now give private, use private discretion. No. According to the constitution, we sentence you. Are we still together? So if Satan could show Jesus high mountains or take him to high mountains, what do you think he cannot show you in your dream? Oh, this always say, I have a dream, I have a dream. That could leave me alone. Take him to dream 15 stones, but don't leave it right away. Are you listening to me? I have a dream, I have a dream. Brother Joseph or Martin Luther King. These were the famous uh, dreamers in, in history. <laughs> history and scriptures. When you have a dream, first thing, Jack, the word, if it doesn't have. Now listen. Kenneth again said, again, a basic principle. Any dream that you don't know what it means, please don't worry about it. If you have a sense or you believe that it could be God showing you something, then communicate with God. Stay with God in prayer. Stay with God in prayer. But to panic, to worry, to go have a meeting, prophet, one prophet, the other, mountain for prayer, you will collect demon. Like that. Are you listening to me? If Jesus could have a, dem- a satanic induced encounter, I said, what? Why Satan can talk to you in your dream just to. And that's how we must now learn how to analyze the dream, analyze the vision, analyze the trance. And I will show you. How you can do that here? Are we still together? First John chapter four, verse one to three. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. The spirit may wear suit, do not believe the spirit. The spirit may wear tie, do not believe the spirit. The spirit may hold microphone. The spirit may carry Bible inside their armpit, do not believe the spirit. But test the spirit. Whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, he tells you that the major tool of the spirits of the devil are false prophets. Satan is most likely to send a false prophet to you than send a demon to you. Listen to me. Be more careful of false prophets than demons. The preference of Satan is the preference of God. God's preference to deliver his message is man. Satan's preference to deliver his message is also man. <laughs> it's also man. So, he says, it is not because there are many demons in the world. He said because there are many false prophets <laughs> that have gone out into the world. Verse 2. By this you know the spirit of God. Now he begins to give a basis to now judge and test and analyze and discern what particular spirit, what kind of spirit is talking. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. The context of this conversation was about certain doctrines about the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. When I taught you church history, I explained to you 
the dominant heresies in the early church. Um, some of the teachings centered around who Jesus was. Was he God? Was he man? We have taught you from basic principle that Jesus was both God and man. He was God and yet he was man. It's the mystery of the incarnation. It's mysterious. But by the time you consider spiritual intelligence, you see that it's something that is not even just a Jesus phenomenon. Angels can also become like man. They can appear to you like men. Yet it's an angel. It's a spirit where it can come as man. So Jesus, although God, came as man. The, fra- the phrase as man is the phrase in flesh that we see in verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. The word in the flesh does not mean what we read in Galatians 5, the works of the flesh. It means that he comes with a human body, a physical, natural human body. That's why I told you that to say that anything that is of the flesh is against the spirit is not proper teaching. You must understand the difference between works of the flesh, possession of the flesh, influence of the flesh. You must separate those things. Are we still together? So at this time, because the heretic teachings of the false prophets at that time was that Jesus did not come in the flesh. They gave an impression that Jesus was actually never a man. He was just God. Well, if that is true, that means God died. That does not make any meaning because God cannot die. Do we get that? To understand salvation, you must understand that Jesus was both man and God. As man, he died. As God, he resurrected from the dead. He was both. That was how we could redeem man. How do you test spirits? How do you discern spirits? Let me just run through a few things here. First things first, like I've mentioned, does it affirm with the teachings of the Bible? If it does not tally the teachings of the Bible in application and correct implications to specific situations, it is not the Spirit of God. Ah, this one is a seventh dimension rema. I don't care. It is not the Spirit of God. It was an angel that took barrow and pen and taught me like this. I don't care. If it does not fit into scriptures, it is not the Spirit of God. Are we still together? Two, does it make you walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh? And let's go back to Galatians chapter 5 and see. A couple of things here. You see, now let me say this before I advance in this direction. In in um Second Corinthians chapter twelve, Apostle Paul said that he had certain visions, and because of the excess visions and revelations he had, he was vulnerable to pride. Pride was going to come in. Because I mean Paul was like almost living between heaven and earth. He was taken into the third heavens. And he saw visions that were not even lawful for women to utter. So, gen- you can have a genuine, authentic spiritual encounter. And because you are immature, it makes you puff up. Somebody has seen 14 angels before he came to this service. So as pastor is preaching, he's like, you know, so we, are, we, 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 we and angels are roommates. 
what is this man saying? He's just saying theory. We have experiences that can be puffed up. Now, what he saw was a genuine encounter, but he has led to pride. Are we still together? However, in a general principle, if an encounter produces the works of the flesh, if a spiritual experience, a spiritual, you know, appearance produces the works of the flesh, it can be flagged down as most likely not a genuine spiritual encounter from God. Galatians 5 and verse 19 to 21. I will read it in the message. I don't know if the PR will have the message, but you can just hear me read it. Okay, let's start from the Passion Translation. That also is quite a modern translation. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. That's what it calls flesh. Self-life. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of others who get in your way, senseless argument. Everybody say senseless argument. (laughs) Some people have seen visions and they use the visions to argue everywhere. Basically, that was why he's in hellfire because he watching. I saw a vision of him in hell. He watching. He's going to hell. Anybody that we are is going to hell. Then they are going to Facebook post to argue, argue, argue every now and then. Works of the flesh. Senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Any so-called spiritual experience that leads to this kind of activity, that encourages this kind of activity, that facilitates this kind of activity, no matter how good the experience seems to be, can be suspected as not a positively spiritual experience but a demonically orchestrated experience I've told you that in the beginning of the teaching the intention of spirit influence is to control your behavior are we still together? if Satan shows you a picture of heaven because he wants you to be proud he does not mind See heaven. If it will produce pride in you, no, Allah, I'll keep showing you. You know things that in the religion of Jesus, the thing that we encouraged by Satan for Jesus to do, things like jump down, because he will keep his angels charge over you, was like an abuse of divine covering. But it was the pride of life, in theological explanation. Are we still together? It was the pride of life. Show off. Show yourself. Give them. Give them. Give them. Uh-huh. Demons talking there. You don't know. How do show off things that you, if it does not produce the fruit of the spirit in meekness, in humility, the encounter may seem very wow. I ascended into the realms of the immortals. Okay. But if it produces arrogance and pride, you can't put a question mark. Is that experience even a pure experience? Are we still together? Yeah. 
Does the experience lead to the glorification of Jesus and affirms the truth about Jesus? This is what was the central theme in First John 4. If I have a dream and the dream makes Jesus look like a weakling, I'm describing the dream. In the dream, a demon was pursuing me and with the Holy Ghost inside me, the demon beat me and I put Kosi on my head. Amy. Amy. With the Holy Ghost inside me. <laughs> the dream does not exalt Jesus. I threw it away. Are you listening to me? I won't pray. God knows I won't pray. I won't pray. If there's a death threat coming, there's a way God will show me. It's not going to be like me, Jesus, the Holy Ghost is embarrassed by a demon. Ah, but now, I'll trade away. Does the experience glorify Jesus? Or does it exalt self? Listen to me very closely. Okay, let me say this also. Does it affirm the reality of the biblical Jesus? Because there are many versions of Jesus. The one in First John 4, that one that the spirit of the Antichrist preached, that one did not come in the flesh. Just like now, there's Hollywood Jesus, Bollywood Jesus, Nollywood Jesus. How many of you have seen appearance of Jesus in Nigerian movie? How many of you have seen what they call Jesus? And when did Jesus begin to talk? You know, our Lord did not talk like this now. Brother Eze, acting as Jesus. This is not how Jesus spoke. Brother Isaiah, we don't even show up in script. I am with you to help you. Hello, Judge Jesus, that come. I just didn't speak like that. If when Jesus spoke, you see confidence. Jesus didn't speak like Koshia. Koshia is not sure whether he's with you or not. I am with you. I will help you, my child. <laughs> no way! No way! certain appearances of so-called Jesus. And when the Jesus begin to talk, you, if you are discerning, you know, this is not Jesus. <laughs> he wore white clothes. Kumain. Kumata. His beard was gold. Kumata. His eye was shining. Kumata. Are you getting it? There are many versions of Jesus. Jesus that does not eat sin, that is not angry with sin. Everybody will make heaven because of that kind of Hollywood Jesus. Jesus that does not complain against lesbians and gays. He is too nice to talk about it. He just wants to share bread and fish. All those kind of Jesuses. <laughs> it's not the biblical Jesus. Are we together? People have had encounters and experiences. And what did Jesus told them in the vision? No, this is not what Jesus will say. In Revelations. John had appearances of Jesus. When he saw him, he fell down as a dead man. And then Jesus began to speak. Warnings and rebukes to the churches in Asia. When somebody now says, I heard the voice of Jesus. And this Jesus is too nice to warn against sin. He never speaks against iniquity. Which version of Jesus is that? Jesus Pro Max 19. That's not the real Jesus. The encounter is obviously not true. Are we getting it? Does it glorify Jesus? One of the essence of false experiences and encounter is 
idolatry. One of the things that Satan was trying to push Jesus to do in Matthew 4 is idolatry. Idolatry does not have to be the worship of Satan. It can also include the worship of self. So, bow down and worship me and I will give you all these kingdoms. The worship of Satan. But, worship of self was also come down from the high place. Show you a superman. Worship of self. If a spiritual encounter pops you up, like I said, make you arrogant, cocky, to a point where you now begin to deify yourself, ah, it's not a pure spiritual encounter. Or the encounter could have been manipulated. Or there could have been infiltrations in that encounter that you must separate. Just like Jesus had to separate ministry of angels, Satan speaking, and the leading of the spirit in one wilderness experience. Are we getting it now? If it leads to self-glorification, self-deification, you have to discern the encounter. If you have a dream, and in the dream, you saw that as your pastor was preaching, you came and took the microphone. I said, Pastor, sit down. I never preaching. Don't come and tell me. If you tell me, I'll use deliverance. That's your phone. Deliverance. Say, what? 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 You know, you know, you know, Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. Well, because evidently the, the dream is to puff you but you don't know it's a satanically look at David now he was anointed as king over Israel Saul was his enemy yet he wouldn't touch him wouldn't touch him let's kill him so that the prophecy can come to pass no when I hear prophecies the spirit of God is speaking the spirit of God, what the spirit of God says I have removed the geo and put you there ah that go wrong now problem C oh good forget it that's not how God talks I tell I tell ministers for instance who are under shepherds an under shepherd refers to somebody who is pastoring on behalf of somebody I'm an under shepherd I don't own Rema Chapel I'm not G of Rema Chapel I'm pastoring on behalf of Reverend John even if you want to leave the ministry there's a way what you are hearing there's a way you can test it when you begin to hear you are too good for this church now see you with all your anointing and 50 people with the pastor, your mates they Lagos, Abuja, Nagumo sure then throw you. See you, you know we get car. Now car that you and your wife, they carry go house every service. Know that that's a demon talking. And that people say, not true. Now see me now. See us I get anointing. What they do for you, Abuja sure? Make I go lag and I dare ministry day. Demon don't finish your work. Don't scatter your head. Are you listening to me? Puffs you up, glorifies you, deifies you. Ah. Speaks ill against authority. Hey! Hey! Not the Spirit of God though. That's not how the Spirit of God works. In Acts chapter 13, they were going to consecrate Saul, Paul, and Barnabas. They heard the voice of the Spirit. Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I have have set for them. They received the right hand of fellowship from the brethren. There was a blessing from Jerusalem. Peter and James had to give their blessings. They said, This week told me to leave that church. No regard for authority. They were start my own. Bros, what do you hear? No be spirit. Okay, now spirit, but now evil spirit. You hear evil spirit. Don't be so Holy Spirit, they talk. Are you getting the gist? Does it facilitate the practice of righteousness 
or make you indifference towards sin. Every time you hear that voice, it boldens you to sin again. Ah, it's not a voice of God. The voice of God should not impact, should not make you bold to sin. No way, it can't be the voice of God. If it's the voice of God, it empowers you towards righteousness, not towards sin. There are so many so-called revelations that have facilitated sinful actions. And you know, by the time we check the effect of the revelation, you can know whether it's a revelation is from God or not. Just check the effect. The effect, in fact, the revelation may sound like a very strong, legalistic thing. For instance, in 1 Timothy 4, Thou shalt not marry. Thou shalt not eat certain foods. But when we see the effect of it, the corruption and the perversion in some of those denominations that practice those kind of things, you see that ah, it does not produce righteousness. Any encounter, any spiritual experience that does not produce righteousness, you can treat it and say, This is not an authentic one. Not an authentic one. Are we still together? Does it produce love for the church and other believers? Somebody had a vision, in the vision, or heard a voice, and then the voice told her to leave the church and to begin to insult the pastors and to start a campaign against pastors' ministry. That's not the voice of God. My ministry is to expose pastors in the body of Christ. That's not the that's not a Holy Ghost giving ministry. That's a demonic spirit giving ministry. You don't identify the saints. All you do is to look for people that are not doing well or are making mistakes and begin to talk about them. You say the, the Holy Ghost commissioned you to work kind of a work. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Descend the spirits. There are many things that sound like from God. There is no God. People criticizing men of God, criticizing ministries, say it's God that told them to do it. I just know what are you talking about? Does God cause division and chaos in the body of Christ? What are you talking about? <laughs> in Acts 16, that little girl was shouting, Acts 16, 16. This is Paul who preached the gospel of Christ. This is Paul who brings the good news. These are servants of God. The Bible says, after three days, Paul said, You foul, you python spirits. Out of her. It was a python spirit all the while. I believe that Paul recognized that in the operations and activity of the spirit, that spirit was defying Paul, not glorifying Christ. So Paul said, this is not how the spirit of God talks. The spirit of God bears witness to Jesus, not Paul. Maybe the way she was saying it, this is Paul, Apostle Paul, Prophet Paul, Teacher Paul, every, every. You know all those, uh, what they call, hype men. Hype men is a demonic activity. Oh yeah. You know? Somebody's busy. Why is it? Hmm, Papa! Hmm, Papa! Tell me, sir! And it's only microphone. These are demonic spirits walking here. Manipulative spirits. Ah. So we don't know. <laughs> It's very easy to recognize demons, demonic activity. I, I, it's very easy. We don't know that this one. It's really lazy. <laughs> it's demons that flatter. The Spirit of God affirms and gives confidence, but flatter is demons. Invisible Papa, Almighty Papa, the, uh, Reliable Papa. Somebody's talking like that. I spit is going on. <laughs> it's a demon talking. <laughs> The way 
Ghost does not speak like that. Are we together? One last point here. Does it produce things like fear, worry, anxiety? Or does it inspire faith, hope, and peace? I had a vision. After the vision, there was a terrifying fear that came upon you. Now, let me say this. There is the fear of God that can happen when you see a vision. There is a fear of God. There is a healthy fear. It's a reverential fear. But now being afraid of tomorrow, afraid of life, afraid of everyone around you, uh-uh. that's not... That's a vision you should discern and be sure if I really dreamt well. Anxiety. Worry. How does it produce faith? Hope. Peace. If God shows you a vision of danger, listen. If God shows you a vision of danger, impending danger, in the vision, you will have a sense of hope and faith. It won't be like, what's it, Pario? I saw myself inside a coffin. It's over. Mm-mm. That's not how God speaks. Even the prophet came to tell the king, says your house in order. He was soon there. The king did not say, a prophet is a prophecy, and the man is a prophet of God. He went and prayed and said, God, how far now? Huh? I've done well. Why are you taking me home now? God told him, go back, go back. So, if you see anything, and it does not, it does not inspire hope. You should be suspicious of it. Are we clear on that? Pray in the spirit for a few seconds here. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. I have understanding about the Holy Ghost. Rita Rabada Shekete Baradash. Vlindo Kopra Katadaba Sekete Kovranda Dadash. Eleke Nina Namanoste Krekete Kateko Baradabash. Elembradoste Kekeke Kobada Sekete Kedopadadash. It's clear, it's clear. By the Spirit of God, it's clear. Subsequent encounters will be analyzed and examined. I descend, I descend, I descend, I distinguish. As you pray, be conscious of the Holy Spirit. Be conscious of His help to help you with the mastery of scriptures. If you can master the scriptures, you'll be safe. If you can master the scriptures, you'll be safe. You'll be safe. You'll be safe. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedback. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.